Oh, how much he cares for me. I want you to know one thing. The Lord cares for you more than you think. More than you think. I'd like to add something but, uh, to what Dean said about the grandparents and their grandkids. He said uh, sometimes uh, whether we love them more than our uh, children. Well, I'd like to put it in a different way. Uh, we spoil them more than our children. We spoil them. You know, I wouldn't, I would, I was so strict with my children, but with my grandchildren, they can take my clothes off, you know. I can get them whatever they want. We love them so much that we spoil them to the agony of their parents. <laughs> but may God bless them all and bless us this morning as we open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Give you time to open your Bibles. Get my notes ready. Verse 15. Verse 15. Deuteronomy 30th. Verse 15. This is Moses. A farewell to the children of Israel that he led them and lived with them for many, many years. And with these verses, they are solemn verses. So I read, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So, choose life. So, choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days, 
that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. May God bless his word. Toward the end of his life, that is Moses, he spoke to the nation with a solemn, actually tone, solemn portion, straightforward, as the Bible puts it. He told them that God gave them a free will and an ultimate choice. In brief, he said, your choice will determine the way of life you desire to have. And I guess you have come to the conclusion what I'm going to talk about today. In other words, what Moses was telling them, make the right choice. Or, if you want to put it in your book, make In my opinion, the ultimate choice. That's the subject. Make the right choice. You know, we make choices every day. Even when we go or have fellowship here, we have to make a choice whether I want to have a decaf or caffeinated coffee. (laughs) I want to have this donut, a sugar donut, Mike, or a blueberry donut. I want to dress this today, especially our ladies here. I want to dress this or that. With women, with men, it's easier. <laughs> we have a choice, though. I want to eat this or that. We have choices. So we have to make it every day. Uh, maybe every moment. And throughout our lives, we find ourselves at crossroads needing to make the choice and hope to hit it right. Furthermore, and whatever choice you make today, it will affect our tomorrows. Please remember that. And that tomorrows are determined by the choices you make today. Remember that. And the continuous choices we make mold, mind you, our characters and determine our destinies. So let's get ready to uh, check a few things. In the portion we read, As we, I said, it's solemn because Moses lived with this nation for 40 years. He led them. And he was telling them in his last address to them, he said, choose life. Choose life. And you have the script here. And he told them how to choose life. 
And he set it before them. He said, you want life? Here's what I'm going to tell you. In verse 16, I command you today to love the Lord, your God. Okay? To walk in his ways, three things, and to keep his commandments. And if you do that, you will live happily ever after. And after reading and after telling them this, he tells them toward the end, please choose life. Because in doing this, you are going to have a wonderful life. Choose life. He pleaded and challenged Israel to choose this life to obey God and do his will. And you will experience prosperity. He tells them in verse 15. Okay. I set before you today life and prosperity. And if you do not obey, there is death and adversity. So we are facing choices here. Israel was facing this choice. And life is all about choices. It's all about choices. Friends, God doesn't force his will on anyone. Remember that. He lets us decide whether to follow him or reject him. His choice, however, is a life or death matter. And with all his heart, our God, he wants us to realize this. I want you all to choose life. That's why he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary. And to give you life. And he said to himself, and life eternal. That's why he doesn't want anyone to choose death. To choose adversity. Our God is not a God of adversity. Our God sent his only begotten son because he does not want anyone to die in his or her sins. To save and to give you a better life. This is what he says, I came to give you a better future. And do not say, oh, it's written. No, it's in your hands and mine. It's what you choose will determine your destiny. And this is what what he was telling them. He wants you to live in prosperity. That is our God. Enjoying a full life. Provided this life is in his will. I came across this. I wrote them about 15 years ago. God gave man the power to choose. He has no policeman to pass around and grab us by the neck and say, you must read your Bible. This is not our God. Or you must go to church. Or you must do this and that. God created man and he made him superior to all other creation of his. 
And he gave man the power and the privilege of choice. Up to now, up to this minute, the Lord respects the privilege he has given us. And he honors it. He will not force us to do anything. And with that privilege of choice comes the terrible responsibility and the results of the choice we make. So choose life. Choose me. He said, choose God. Because in him there is life. When he came here to earth, Jesus Christ says, I am the truth and life itself. I want you to live. I want this choice to be yours every day. I want you to love me. I want you to honor me. I want you to obey me. Is that too much? The creator is talking to the creature. I want you to remain faithful to me. And here he tells him in verse 20, for he is your life. Children of Israel, he is your life. And Paul, when he was standing amongst the philosophers on that hill, Mars Hill in the past, in Athens, he told them, he said, you are looking and you are worshipping an unknown God. What I am giving you, a God that we exist and breathe and have, have, have our being in with, him, in with him and in him. And today man is turning his back toward God. Because he thinks, but he thinks I'm, I'm living, I made my choices. And I am going to make it in life without Almighty God. Wrong. Wrong. No one has made it thus far without God. No one whatsoever and whosoever. So, he said, choose life. And this is my... My... Plea today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who is life incarnated. He is the truth and life. He came to give us life and life eternal. He died to give you life. Would you choose him? Would you make this choice and say, oh, yes, 
Lord, I choose you. Someone said, it's not in life's chances. So many times we say, I will take my chances, right? I will take, it's not in life's chances, but in its choices. That happiness comes to the heart of any individual. This brings me to the second point. All right. If you don't make a choice, then what? Then what? Well, let me tell you something before you think of it. Neutrality is not an option. Neutrality is not an option. Most of you know the, sto- know the story. I said it and you heard it, women also, about the man who was living uh, during the Civil War in a borderline state. And he had a divided allegiance. He was sympathetic during the war with the, both the North and the South, right? And uh, he classified himself, I'm a neutral man. So after a troubled, troubled some thoughts, he decided, well, I have a plan. You heard the story. I will wear the confederate, confederate gray uh, trousers and the blue uniform union jacket. I want to be neutral. Soon a fierce battle, <laughs> fierce battle spread in the region where he lived. Then the soldiers of the Union Army shot him in the trousers. <laughs> and the Confederate soldiers shot him in the jacket. What's the moral of this story? It's, it can be doubly disastrous, disastrous to halt between two opinions. You cannot halt between two opinions. On Mount Carmel, when the, when the great prophet Elijah stood against the prophets of Baal who were wishy-washy and who just wanted, wanted the queen to love them, and the king to honor them, they were trying to be a neutral there. You know, he addressed them in First Kings 18.21. He addressed the people. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? And you might say, wow. Really? Can a man or a woman with two opinions succeed in life? How long, he said. If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal, follow him too. And long time ago, our Savior, when he came here, he said, no man can serve two masters. You will find it in Matthew 6.24. Neutrality. And this neutrality has split into the churches nowadays. Someone who voices opinion say you be, be careful. 
And many pastors in the churches, they do not give the opinion of the Bible. They give their own opinion for fear or other beliefs. Many denominations today, with all the respect to them, have completely abandoned the idea of the necessity of choice. They insist there is always room for, the word, the new word, diversity. Remember that. There is always room for diversity of opinion on the faith, on our faith. Let me answer them humbly. There is no room for diversity of the faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the word of God. And we made our choices. <coughs> we made our choice. That it's the word of God or nothing else. There is no diversity of opinion about faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That will lead to eternal life. Any other faith will not do anything. Life is about choices. And neutrality is dangerous. And it's no option. <coughs> Excuse me. You cannot live. Say, well, I'm neither here nor there. Give me. Give me a break. They say we want to stay neutral. And we are trying by being neutral to cover all bases. Don't be stubborn, Edo. We want to cover all bases. Do you know what it's called? When this situation is in the church and we want to cover all bases. We want to respect all faces. We want to, uh, we want to see, uh, the diversity of opinion here. Okay. You know what, you know what I call this? The no choice choice. Did you get that one? The no choice choice. They elected to have no choice. And we need to stand firm. And this is becoming the norm in the church today. Our there are so many denominations take the same approach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They refuse to say anything definitive about the faith that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. About salvation about crucifixion, about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, and about his rising from the death and living at the right hand of glory. They do not, they say, well, there are other opinions. There are, in my opinion, and the Bible's opinion, no other opinion except the opinion of the word of God. We are living in an age where everything has to be looked upon diversity, neutrality, 
Neutrality is not an option, Christians. We have to stand firm on the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, if we have this neutral, this is not what's happening today in Christianity all over, in general, and around us. This is not a true representation of the true church of God. We need to take a stand. We cannot and will not present to the world a watered-down Christianity. Dante said, The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in a period of moral crisis, maintain their neutrality. We cannot be neutral about the most important question in our life. And you know who faced that in the past. May I remind you, Pilate faced this choice and he couldn't make it. When Jesus was standing before him and he couldn't let Jesus go, he was afraid of the Jews. He couldn't make a choice. And you know what he said? Instead of making a choice and let this man go. And thank God he didn't let him go because this was the will of God. Instead of that, you know what he said? What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And you know the answer from all the Jews there. Let him be crucified. They made their choice. What shall we do with Jesus? And if you're facing this question today, and I want to throw it at you, if you don't know Jesus Christ yet as your Savior, if you haven't received Him as the only Savior, the only teacher, the only true God, let me ask you this way, what shall you do with Christ the Savior. We'll say, well, hey, listen, uh, you say this, Adol, and others say that. I would like to be a neutral in this one. Or let me think about it. Let me think about it. That's an excuse. What shall you do? Are you going to be neutral? Are you going to be like Pilate? Are you going to be like the Jews there, they said, oh yeah, crucify him. They made their choice. I came across someone who wrote something commenting on this. What will you do with Jesus? I asked you today, what will you do with Jesus? Say later? Or take him as Savior now? And make your choice. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday, your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? My third point, my final point. Well, we said, make the right choice. Make the right choice. And 
Let me say this. What is my choice? What is the right choice? What is your choice? In the Old Testament, there is a powerful story. A very powerful story. And it's a powerful story about a woman. I hope you will remember what... She faced a very difficult situation in her life. A crucial situation. She stood at the crossroad of life. Of her life. But she made... A lifetime decision. Did you guess who's this woman? Okay, I'll help you. It resulted in a great blessing to whole to the whole world. The name of the woman was Ruth. Ruth. What a woman. As she stood on the limit of Moab and Bethlehem. And with her mother-in-law and sister-in-law. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, told her, listen, listen. I want you to make a decision. And this decision should be to go back. You cannot come with me. You have lost your husband, who's my son. Your sister just left and went back to her people. And I, I want you to go back. What a challenging thought. Ruth looked at her mother-in-law. He said, Would you open Ed Ruth, chapter 1, verse 15? Ruth, chapter 1, verse 15. Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Please continue. 16, 17. But Ruth said, this is, this is, this is the stand that each and every person should take. And thank God for women like that. And I thank God for the women we have in the church. Thank God for those who stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. You made a choice. Stick to it. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. He, she didn't tell her, I, okay, you, you're right, you're right. Uh, give me, uh, give me a couple of days to think about it. Well, let me go for one week and pray about it. And then I will come and tell you. She did not tell her that. She immediately made a decision. She made a decision. Do not for where you go. I will go. She knew she was going to Bethlehem, but she didn't know anything about it. 
She didn't have a house. She didn't have a room. She didn't have a place. She didn't have a job. But he says, where you will go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. More, she said, more, she said, don't think of asking me any more to go back. I have made a decision. I am not going back to the old world. Where you die, he says, hey, you want more. Where you die, Naomi, I will die. And there I'll be buried. And if you want more, thus the Lord do to me. And worse, if anything but death parts you and parts me. Did she make a choice? Do you think this is a good choice? Do you know? When you stand, you take a choice regardless. She didn't know what was waiting for her. She didn't know what the future made for her. But she knew one thing. If God, the God of Naomi, took care of her until this moment, he can take care of me and compensate me for my stand for him. Would you take a stand for God today? Would you? So many Christians today cannot take a stand. You ask them, you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, I am religious. Say, hey, are you Christian? I go to San Ramon Valley Bible Church. It's not enough. If you say, I'm Christian, there should be a, a, there should be an anniversary of your Christianity. You say, yes, I am. I was born again on June 17, 19, so and so. Or 20 so and so. Yes, I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't argue with me anymore. I am taking my stand right now. Right now. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what she told her. I have decided to follow you. Don't try to convince me anymore. Don't try to change my mind. She didn't have to go and pray about it. She didn't have to consult a pastor about it. She knew very well, very well, what her choice should be. And I ask you today, I ask you today, what is your choice? If you are saved and you haven't been standing for the Lord Jesus Christ the way you should stand, this is the time to say, Lord, I will stand for you. This is my stand. From now on, I will not be ashamed. I will be standing. And I will honor you. I will witness for you. Oh no, yeah, yeah, we go to San Ramon Valley Bible Church. Don't dance, please. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrews. They were asked to one day to worship the image of the king. And you know what a stand is. He said, he told them the king, get them here. 
Get them here. You don't want to worship the golden image? They said, no. He said, okay, then you burn. Bow now or burn. They said, it's easy. Burn, not bow. Burn, not bow. Let it be known to you, O king. That's a stand. Let it be known that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We worship the only true God. And guess what? Throw them in the fire. And I have not read about a most beautiful air-conditioned room in the world than that place down in the fire. The king of kings, God went down and walked with them and got them out and got them out. Your God is my God. I am taking a stand. And that's my choice. Close the books. Naomi, you can do whatever you want. If you don't want to go, I'll follow. Close the books. I close my book. I close my chapter. I close the message. Life is about your choice. Where do you choose? Do you choose to follow Christ? This is the time to make your decision. Don't go home and tell me, Adol, I'm thinking about it. Now, while you're sitting in your seat, says, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I take you as my Savior. And I want to be identified with you, regardless what may come. I tell you one thing. Good things will happen. And the Lord will bless you. And will give you life that you have not tasted before. Let's bow our heads for prayers. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, this rather this afternoon, I ask you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I have never taken a stand, but I will take a stand for you today. I've never made this decision, but I make this decision to follow you and follow you until you come. Take my heart. Change my life. I believe that you have died on the cross for my sins. I take you as my Savior. Help me to live for you. Amen. For the rest of us, may the Lord help us as Christians to be true to our calling and to live a life to bring glory to his name. Dismiss us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.